0: How delightful it is to see you return to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop as we wrap up 2023. Here we are holding a special episode and a special gathering to go over the year that was 2023. On this special edition of Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop, we'll take a look at the best of the year in film and television. We'll take a look at the worst of the year. We'll take a look at things to anticipate in 2024 and those we lost here in this past calendar year. We'll take a look at some of the new things we've introduced to the podcast as we take a look at the strange, the bizarre, and the unexplained of 2023. So join us as we we take a look at the odds bodkins curiosity shop a curious year in review So here we are. We've come to the end of 2023, another year in the books for Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, and right off the bat, and I'll give more thanks probably by the end of this episode, but I I personally want to thank you all for taking the time to listen to yours truly, uh, blather on about horror, fantasy, and science fiction, movies, TV series, uh, some on the written page, some in music. We didn't really get to talk too much about like horror fantasy and science fiction that delves into music. And, you know, it doesn't always happen, but sometimes certain bands kind of lean into that. I think we'll get some more of that in 2024. I know we've got some new stuff coming out from uh, Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden. uh, And Maiden always delves into literature and, and science fiction, and even some horror with some of their songs, so I'm expecting some there. Uh, we got some other bands that lean into those genres in their music that we'll talk about in 2024, so looking forward to that, but not a ton to talk about music-wise this year, but we did have a ton in movies and television, and even some of that that leaned into the written page and some, some really good novels out there that we got to, to talk about a little bit in 2023. But I thank you for taking the time to listen to me talk about the genres that we both obviously love horror fantasy and science fiction. And I thank you for listening throughout the year. And hopefully, you'll stay with us and help us spread the word about this podcast in 2024. And. I thought it was a good time to take a look back at 2023 and see what was the good, the bad and the ugly of it all. And there was a lot of good, I think, in 2023. I don't know how it compares to the past few years of horror fantasy and science fiction. I didn't take the time to really compare and contrast how well this year compares to some of the years in the past. And I know in the past couple years, we've had some really good years for genre and but i i want to say that i think this year holds its own at the very least if not at the the top or, or at least near the top of the class of the past few years because we had a lot of really good legit big budget movies out there that were in genre things that maybe weren't properly marketed but these were big Hollywood productions that leaned into horror, fantasy, and science fiction. Some of it worked from a box office standpoint. Some of it didn't work. But we had a lot of really good movies hitting the theaters. Uh, and then there are a, a ton of movies that were video on demand or streaming only that... Uh, there were really good titles that turned out to be like diamonds in the rough, if not hidden gems, throughout 2023. And then we had some really good shows and series that came out, whether it be continuing series or mini series, standalone series. Uh, there was a lot of good things. Now, there were a lot. <laughs> Of things that weren't so good and we'll kind of talk about some of my favorites i'm not saying these are the best but these are some of the ones i enjoyed most because you know to rank things is always subjective and even though i've started doing that a little more and by a little more i mean one time i did that for for one of our christmas episodes my my top 10 favorite uh genre christmas movies to watch we'll, we'll do that a little more from time to time but Again, it's not me saying that I think it's the best in general, but I do think a lot of these things, in my mind, were the things I enjoyed the most. So right off the bat, we're going to talk about what I thought were some of the best horror films of the year, and I'm going to talk about some of the ones I think are in that category, in that conversation. Then I will talk about my top five favorite horror films of this year, uh, because I think there were the most of those. We didn't get a ton of sci-fi, but we got some sci-fi this year. And fantasy, we got very little, and that's always a disappointment. Fantasy always seems to be the redhead stepchild of the genre world, uh, especially when it comes to fantasy as, as most people understand it, you know, Dungeons and Dragons and things like that. I mean, there are things that would be considered fantasy, but they also lean into horror or science fiction, so they really get lumped in with those. So we didn't get a ton in the fantasy genre. Uh, I'm hoping that'll change in the not-too-distant future. We're already getting uh, a fantasy series with Percy Jackson and the Olympians on Disney+. Plus. I haven't got caught up on that. I only watched the first episode, but I've been enjoying it. Walker Scoble, I, I really like him. He's a good young actor and uh, I've enjoyed that first episode and we'll see where it goes from there but that's some fantasy we can look forward to talking about in 2024 but as far as horror goes we had a glut of horror in film and some of the ones I really enjoyed of course one was Hell House LLC Origins Carmichael Manor which is the Fourth in the Hell House LLC series, and it was streaming on Shutter. I, I thought it was really good. If you haven't watched any of the other ones, go watch those. They're all really solid. Uh, some more than others. I think the first one's really good. Uh, the second one's okay. The third one is is. So-so. It's still enjoyable, but not as good as the the previous two. And then this one really goes back to its roots of being really freaking scary. And it was just a really good streaming horror film. And one of my favorites of the year. Another one that was streaming on Shudder was Unwelcome. Really cool that lent itself into uh, into fantasy realms. But it had really cool uh, forced perspective uh, effects. And I really enjoyed that. And the little goblin creatures that uh, they used in this were, were really cool and an excellent uh, device for bringing fantasy and horror together. I really liked that movie. Uh, Blood, I thought, was really good. A really creepy, interesting take on a vampire story. It had its faults, but it it lacked in some of the the storytelling areas. It really made up for with good performances and a really good story, and I I enjoyed that. Uh, Talking about big movies that hit the theaters, uh, a couple of my favorites this year were Evil Dead Rise. You know, a bit of a soft reboot for the Evil Dead franchise, although it is still considered a continuation. I can't see wait to see where they go next with this. Hopefully Bruce Campbell is brought back into the fray with the Evil Dead franchise. I would really love that. Uh, also Scream 6. I was really shockingly surprised by Scream 6 because I, if you've listened to this podcast... At any length, I am not a fan of the Scream franchise. I am not a fan of Ghostface as a slasher, as a killer. And this is the first Scream movie that I've watched. Well, it's the first one I've ever watched on the movie theater. But it's the first one I ever left the movie or got finished with the movie and thought, ah, that was really good. Five was okay. I, I did enjoy Five to a degree, although it did have its uh, issues that I didn't care for. But but Six, I thought, was really good. Now this franchise is an upheaval because your two starlets that are, are kind of the anchor for the franchise now, or at least were planned to be the anchors for the franchise moving forward, are all done because of... I uh, won't get into that, but uh, it'll be interesting to see where they take this franchise now after a really good installment with Scream 6, which I, for one, shockingly enjoyed in 2023. Uh, Another really good movie, Spoonful of Sugar, I thought was a really interesting take on like serial killer horror and kind of that pitting serial killer versus serial killer. It just, it really was a good story. Didn't come without its faults, but all in all, a really bizarre and really surreal type of story that I, I just absolutely enjoyed. One that I loved because I got to read the book before it came out. I made a concerted effort to read the book before it came out. And I think that made me enjoy the adaptation that we got all the more was Knock at the Cabin, which uh M. Night Shyamalan, uh, stars Dave Batista, based on the novel Cabin at the End of the World. and And I really, I liked the book. I wasn't so hot on the ending of the book. And I'm so glad that they didn't do the ending of the book in the movie. It's one of the rare occasions where I'm glad they deviated from the book. Uh, I'm usually a pretty good stickler for it. But they stayed true to the book for the most part throughout this movie, at least for the first act and a half, maybe two two acts i mean there were some deviations but but for the most part they were pretty true to it uh, but the ending i thought really needed to have a definitive end to it which it didn't have in the books and i thought d batista is he's such a wonderful actor uh for a guy that you wouldn't expect to be a good actor given his wrestling background but he did a really good job at that but now we're going to come to my top five movies uh horror movies of twenty. 20- 23 and coming in at number five is dark harvest and and really all of these rankings are so close uh, because i loved all these movies so much I, I had to put them in an order you know any one of them could flip-flop outside of maybe the top one or two but even there still it, it could be you could see some movement but coming in at number five dark harvest uh, a creepy halloween creature feature that, uh, again, based on a novella, I believe, or a, a short book. And again, it's one of those where I didn't read the book on this one, but I want to. It was really good. I know it deviates from the book, but from what I understand of the book, I almost like the deviations a little better and the effects were really good. The story was really good outside of a little... A little bit of lag in story and pace in the middle, like, towards the end of the second act. It was really an excellent movie. Coming in at number four, Cobweb, which is a great, creepy, atmospheric creature feature. Again, really leans into Halloween, and it was disturbing, and... Anthony Starr and Lizzie Kaplan both give really bizarre and disturbing performances. Woody Norman put out a really good performance as the young protagonist, along with his performance in Last Voyage of the Demeter as well. Uh, everybody in this did a wonderful job with creating just such an atmospheric horror that just had you creeped out throughout. The majority of this movie. Coming in at number three was a movie that I think a lot of us in horror have been waiting for for quite some time from Eli Roth, Thanksgiving, based on the fake trailer he did for the Grindhouse movie, and it did not disappoint. We finally got the definitive classic horror film for Thanksgiving. Christmas has Black Christmas, Halloween has Halloween, and now Thanksgiving has Thanksgiving and Just a a wonderful movie that I can't wait to watch again. You know, I might have to hold off until next Thanksgiving just to make it kind of a tradition, but uh, a tradition worth waiting for because the movie was really fantastic. Again, some pacing issues in some parts, but a lot of misdirect that had you guessing the whole time. And and as I said before, anybody who said they figured it out, uh, you know, 10 minutes in is full of shit. Now, the top two movies in my list were really hard to narrow down to which one was my favorite and which one wasn't, uh, because either one of these two could have been number one. But coming in at number two, uh, very close... To number one, number two is When Evil Lurks. It's an Argentinian film, and it took the possession and exorcism genre and turned it on its head. It took so much of what we think we know about possession and exorcism movies and just set it in a world where that is not an option. All the typical tropes of possession movies or exorcism movies are thrown out the window because of the world that the director and writer put this in. And it just made it such a fantastic movie to watch from a subversion of expectations angle, but it also had some really scary freaking moments And some really disturbing freaking moments. And some really brutal freaking moments. As far as horror movies go, hands down, one of the top two of the year. If not, like I said, this could easily have been number one. But I had just had to prioritize in my own mind what I enjoyed most. And I really enjoyed these top two films. But this one just edged out slightly by the number one film. Which could go into... Science fiction as well. It certainly is a sci fi story, but just the way they treated this, it definitely lent itself to horror. And that is No One Will Save You, which is an alien invasion story but the way they did this story if you haven't watched it uh, it's so unique although if you're a science fiction fan and you've watched the twilight zone and you've watched that episode the invaders you'll understand where the inspiration for this came from and, and probably why i love it so much because it is such a cool callback to that story which is probably one of my favorite twilight zone episodes from from back in the 60s but this was a, a fantastic movie. Again, had some pacing issues there in the middle. But ultimately, it was so phenomenally done where you do this essentially with no dialogue whatsoever. And to keep the, the atmosphere and the creepiness and the scares and the horror of it all uh, intact with, without a lick of dialogue was just a phenomenal feat by the filmmakers, and more importantly, by Caitlin Deaver, who pulled off this movie. I mean, this movie was on her shoulders, and all the range of emotion that she expressed without a single word of dialogue was just a a stunning performance on her part. I don't know if she'll get nominated for anything, because horror sci-fi genre stuff doesn't get nominated a a whole lot, but, uh, but she deserves an award for her performance in this. And if you haven't checked it out, check it out on Hulu. My favorite horror movie of 2023, uh, No One Will Save You. Now, talking about some of the other genres, we're not going to count these down because there weren't many of those. But I will say my favorite uh, of those genres. And and talking about sci-fi, we had a lot of good ones. Of course, No One Will Save You was a really good sci-fi horror. The creator was really good for what they did on such a small budget. Uh, They made this movie looked like a 300 million dollar movie on a tenth of that. I mean, it would I think it cost like 35 million dollars to make. The filmmakers of this could really give a masterclass to places like Marvel and Disney and Lucasfilms and DC about how to to do much with little and definitely that movie uh the creator not my favorite sci-fi film of 2023 but definitely it would be up there it would be probably ranked number two uh there was a couple other ones guardians of the galaxy 3 was really good it was a nice farewell to marvel and these characters by james gunn i really enjoyed that they cloned tyrone i thought was a really good sci-fi movie that uh has had a lot of good social implications and it was just a, a fun watch because it added some comedy into the sci-fi uh, story which I enjoyed but probably my favorite sci-fi movie of 2023 has to be Godzilla minus one and if you want my complete thoughts on it go check out the episode we did that a few weeks back and wow this movie again showed what you can do with little the, the budget was small but they used it wisely and, and made a great giant monster kaiju film that's People really enjoyed. I mean, I I don't know as if I've seen any bad reviews on this movie because they did what so many other giant monster movies, especially Godzilla movies, did was made the human characters that you're going to focus on more than the, the giant monster. Unfortunately, they made them interesting. They made them likable. They made you care about these characters. And it was a feat that uh, no one's been able to crack the code in Hollywood Godzilla films as of late. And they could really take a a cue from this uh, Japanese-made film where Godzilla is an icon. And Godzilla is held in great reverence. And they treated this monster movie as such uh they made a human story that's just as compelling as the giant monster story and did a really good job on on both aspects and why that's why godzilla minus one my favorite sci-fi film of 2023 now as far as fantasy goes we didn't get many fantasy films this year i mean. Uh, Most any of the fantasy that we got that I really enjoyed for the most part was all done in TV, but we did get one really good fantasy film, and that has to be Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Uh, It was such a fun game and so many great references to... To actually playing Dungeons and Dragons as a role player and you know my my D&D group <laughs> loved some of the references and it was a uh, it was just a fun ride and that's what a Dungeons and Dragons movie should be it should be fun it should be like playing the game with your buddies and having a good time doesn't mean to say all fantasy should be like that I think we have room for fantasy that is fun and funny and, and goofy and whatnot, that it feels like you and your buddies playing d d But then there's also room for fantasy that is a little more serious, like the old Conan the Barbarian movies with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, Red Sonia stuff like that. I'd like to see more of that as well. But now we're going to move on to my favorite uh, TV series in horror and genre. And there was a lot in horror when it comes to television. Uh, we had The Last of Us, which really was a, a breakout series for HBO. You know, a lot of people just really love this and love the fact that the creator of the game is on board. And they really, I mean, not that everything that happens in the TV series Happens exactly the same way in the game. But he is very integral in telling the story. And that's why you have so much of this TV series. That is uh, a direct reference to. Or almost a shot by shot remake of the video game. And I think that's why people love it so much. And it's kind of has the opposite effect of The Walking Dead. Because The Walking Dead everybody bitch because you never saw the zombies. Whereas in this uh, you know, people don't see the zombies, but they love the characters so much. And the zombies are just uh, a cool addition to the whole thing. Uh, and It's kind of funny how audiences kind of change. But Uh, You know, we'll see. I can't wait to see season two, uh, which should be coming. probably won't come out this year uh, because of the writer's strike and the actor's strike. So uh, I'm guessing probably 2025 is before we'll see the next season. But uh, if you haven't watched The Last of Us, definitely go check that out on HBO Max. Uh, Also, follow The House of Usher on Netflix. A really interesting adaptation of Edgar Allan Poe's story. And not just follow The House of Usher, but almost all of his iconic stories. This is an adaptation of all of them and it was done so well. Mike Flanagan just masked full when it comes to horror and makes me so excited every time I see he's doing an adaptation of something because I know it's, it may not be exact, but it's going to be so at the heart of the source material that uh, that I'll be okay if things don't go exactly how they go in the, the story, especially Stephen King's stuff, which I know he's got some things planned in the not-too-distant future. So uh, one of the best, if not uh, the best uh, horror series that we saw on television. In science fiction, we actually had quite a bit to talk about. Of course, Loki season two was fantastic. One of the few things that Marvel and Disney are doing right. And same with Ahsoka. Uh, I know a lot of people were on the fence about that, but I really liked Ahsoka. I think it is an introduction to bigger things. It, you know, was a continuation of the Rebels story, which I'm a huge fan of that. So uh, again, another instance where Lucas. Films and Disney may not get everything right, but they do some things right. And Ahsoka happens to be one of those. Uh, Black Mirror Season 6 I thought was a really good sci-fi series. Even though this year they kind of leaned a little bit away from sci-fi in some of the episodes. I know, know Black Mirror has always been known for being kind of a sci-fi series a dark sci-fi series every story is from like a not too distant future with a bit of not too distant future technology at the center of it but this year they delved into some more horror stories which i thought was really interesting still at the heart of it this is a sci-fi series but i really liked and in spite of the fact that a lot of people didn't like the Uh, delving into horror stories with this i enjoyed it Uh, mandalorian season three was was always good it's solid it tied up that uh, mandalorian storyline with bo katan uh and and springboarding these characters into the next uh phase of star wars as we start to get into the air to the empire storyline it'd be interesting to see how season four goes with the mandalorian and grogu but uh, i really enjoyed season three had some really solid episodes in that especially the last couple episodes when you saw the battle of mandalore uh, that was really good gen v was was quite good a spin-off from the boys it'll be interesting to see when uh, the boys fun- next season comes out how much a gen v will bleed into that like uh, the Boys Bled Into Gen V. We probably had the most TV series leaning into fantasy than any of the other genres. And, and there were some really good ones. Twisted Metal, I thought, was really good. Uh, good Omen Season 2 was enjoyable. The story didn't seem to have as big a scale as the first season. It was a smaller scale story, but I think they're leading up to something bigger in the next story. It'll go back to being based on the talked about sequel that Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman kind talked. About where they would go with these characters in in a sequel to the the book that Good Omens is based on, whereas season two was uh, primarily just a a bridge season that Neil Gaiman came up completely by himself. But it was very interesting and very good. Uh The Witcher season 3 was really good, kind of a, a send-off of Henry Cavill as the Geralt of Rivia character. Very very sad, but they didn't they didn't play into too much of him leaving the show because the character's not leaving the show, just Henry Cavill. Uh, so it was a nice send-off without being too sentimental or saccharine sweet. And we'll see Uh, what we get in season four with Liam Hemsworth. I really enjoyed the, the well, we finally got Carnival Row season two, which was the final season. It's a shame that series didn't take off more, and it's a shame it kind of got interrupted by COVID, because that was a really good series. Uh, I really enjoyed all the characters and all the actors. Orlando Bloom was really good. Cara Delevingne is really good. Uh, Jared Harris, just a, a long list of really good actors in that series. It's a shame, I said that it has to end so soon because uh, it felt like it just got started. But uh, but it was really good. Season two was a great uh, wrap up of that series. Legend of Vox Machina season two, a great, a couple great animated series continuations this year. Legend of Vox Machina I thought was really good. Makes me excited to see where the story is going in the next season. Also Castlevania Nocturne. Of course they wrapped up the Trevor Belmont story in a few seasons with Castlevania. So they decided to do a time jump and do a series based off the Castlevania Rondo of Blood uh, with the Richter Belmont character, which it was really interesting to get to know this character because I'm not familiar with that game. Uh, I played a lot of the other Castlevania games, but uh, not very familiar with the Richter Belmont character. So it was really cool to to learn about him and to see that character and, and this story and and, you know, I wondered if it was going to have that same appeal and that same feel to it as the original Castlevania series that we got a few seasons of. And while it it does, it does have all that, all that stuff that I love about the series. It is all also fresh and new. And I love the Alucard character and spoiler alert. I'm glad they brought him back, even though uh, you knew he was coming back. They, they made no bones about that. It was not a secret as to whether or not this character was coming back. Uh, you knew he was, but uh, just a matter of when. So uh, I'm really interested to see where this is going to go in a second season of Castlevania Nocturne. Uh, again, some of the best fantasy on TV in 2023. Now, taking a look at the best in 2023 was pretty tough because there was a lot of good stuff in 2023. Uh, now, when it comes to the worst of 2023, that one was not so hard because there were there were some okay movies and series out there. There were some mediocre out there, but there were only a few that I felt were real stinkers. And just I just absolutely did not enjoy watching them at all. Uh, one of those happens to be a TV series on Disney+, Plus, Willow, the TV series. I just was so excited for this because I love the original movie Willow from back in the 80s and was so excited for this and then the more i got to know the cast it was a very young cast i'm like okay well young characters that's that's fine it's as long as they don't get too like disney channel uh with it i'm okay with that but then when i watched it it was just geared it was geared for gen z and this is a movie franchise beloved by gen xers and and some of the older millennials And it was such a disappointment because they had so much of the annoyances, the thing that drive me nuts and all the things that are stereotypical about Gen Z and put it in this. And they spent more time focusing on that and less time focusing on the story and the fantasy of it and the titular character of it all that it was just not enjoyable. The modern humor, the modern way of talking the modern music that they played, you know, having all these covers of songs, uh, it felt like a big F you to the people that grew up loving Willow and have, have been clamoring for a sequel to that story for decades. It was like a big F you to them. And we're going to make this for a new generation so they can become Willow fans. And and they alienated the very audience that could have made this a hit, which makes Willow one of my most anticipated things of 2023 and my biggest disappointments of 2023. I absolutely did not like that series at all. Another movie that I wanted to like more than I did was Quicksand. It had an interesting idea, an interesting premise. It had almost like a chamber play feel to it with these two characters stuck in quicksand. But everything about this movie, and the acting wasn't bad either. The story was interesting, but there was so much about this movie that you had to suspend disbelief for. And I'm all about suspension of disbelief. But when I have to suspend such simple bits of disbelief that it just becomes ridiculous Uh, this python that bites a guy and he's poisoned and pythons aren't poisonous snakes and there's no explanation as to why this is it's just sloppy writing and a writer that didn't do any research and thought it'd be cool that python bites him and he's gonna die it's a ticking time bomb without ever considering the fact that pythons aren't poisonous snakes there is no species of Python that is poisonous. It's shit like that that just made this movie unenjoyable. Not unwatchable, but unenjoyable. Speaking of unenjoyable, uh, another one of my least favorite and in my mind, one of the worst movies of 2023 is Pet Cemetery Bloodlines. I'm a huge fan of the book Pet Cemetery. I'm a huge fan of the the 80s adaptation of Pet Cemetery. The one that came out here a few years ago, I think, is garbage. Uh, I, I hate what they did with that. I hate what they did with the ending. I hate what they did with it's you know, set in Maine, but not a single person has a, a Maine accent at all. It's like we don't give a shit about where this is located. Uh, you know, a lot of people crap on Fred Gwynn's like just overstated Maine accent in the original Pet Cemetery adaptation. But at least it's true to the character, and it's true to the story, and true to the story uh, location. And uh, I hated that, and I hated this just as much. Because, again, set in Maine, not a single person has a Maine accent. It took the story that Stephen King wrote and completely rewrote the origins of it completely rewrote the mythos of it, all for the notion of being politically correct and socially just. I just absolutely hated this adaptation. Uh, they only got one thing right about anyone that comes back from the Pet cemetery in that they, they know things that they shouldn't know, and that's something that they didn't really delve into enough in the 1980s adaptation that I wish they would have. Uh, That's the one thing they got right in this, but everything else, uh, again, like the other adaptation uh, a few years back, uh, Pet Cemetery was just hot garbage. One series that I wanted to like more than I did at the end of the day is the Secret Invasion series on on Disney Plus with Marvel. I I really liked the idea of it. I loved the Cloak and Dagger story. It took marvel and took away the superheroes and just left nick fury and made it kind of a spy versus spy story and i thought that was interesting but then they started introducing superhero powers and they made the amelia clark character so ridiculously overpowered it's like having another freaking captain marvel in the mcu and it just at the end of the day as much as i liked dark and brooding nick fury and i liked like the spy versus spy stuff i hated what they did with the amelia Clark character. I hate it. Even though I love her as an actress, I thought she did a good job as an actress. Uh, I, I hated the character and, and where they took that character more than more than the actual character itself and the cg was bad speaking of captain marvel the marvels was another one that just i wanted to like it more than i did but it just was horribly written that's a shame because i'm a big fan of Naya da costa as a writer and a director uh i'm a big fan of iman villani as miss marvel uh Teana paris as Monica Rambeau I was really excited after after watching her and that character in WandaVision I was really excited to see where they're going to take it and it just it all just really fell flat Iman Vellani was the only breath of fresh air in that movie the only one of the marvels that felt like she was enjoying making this movie and her family uh the actors that play her family with nick fury that was a fun storyline but that was also a b storyline that shouldn't have been the main focus and that was the most enjoyable part of the movie and there again one of the few things that made this movie enjoyable was that it all set up the big x-men reveal in the post credit scene, or the mid credit scene, whichever it was. And of course, two more in my worst of 2023. Perpetrators, I thought, was a a good idea for a story. It just was handled so poorly, and it's a shame because Alicia Silverstone was really great and playing against type in this movie, uh, but they just didn't know what to do with it. And it's a low-budget movie, and maybe it feels like I'm punching down on this one, But it it had so much potential. It had an interesting story. It had a lot of good actors in it. I thought the the acting was was pretty good. Just as a story goes it just didn't make any sense there was no lore that was adhered to that made the story interesting or made what happened to our main character interesting or gave us any rules to understand what is even going on with this main character and what she's even turning into and it just was a very big disappointment as a movie that started off looking like it was going to be pretty good and then finally my wor- one of my worst films of 2023 Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I am a huge fan of the Indiana Jones series, Raiders of the Zilla Lost Ark, uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. Those are classic movies. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I didn't enjoy that, but I never thought I could enjoy an Indiana Jones movie less than Crystal Skull until Tile of Destiny came out, and it's not that it was a bad story. It just wasn't an Indiana Jones film. Indiana Jones, and I get that it's part of the story—how uh, he feels old and washed up, and it, it takes time for him to, to be Indiana Jones again. But they sidelined him for the most part and made him a sidekick in his own story to the Phoebe Waller Bridge character. Which, I, yeah, I just I I like her as an actress. But I just didn't care about this character and I felt like I'm having this character shoved down my throat because she's going to be the new Indiana Jones and you're going to like her whether you fucking like it or not. So saith Kathleen Kennedy and it just was such a huge disappointment of a movie and like I said Indiana Jones didn't act like Indiana Jones until the third act. And then the whole thing of them going back in time to Archimedes and not going back for him to to punch a Nazi because that's where he started all this at. It just didn't feel like it was a very poetic bookend. To the story and then him being knocked out and brought back against his will just it didn't feel like an indiana jones movie it felt like a movie that indiana jones was a side character in and as much as i wanted to like this movie i wanted to love this movie i wanted this to be the swan song and the farewell to harrison ford his indiana jones that uh, was deserving of this character this iconic character i mean for my money and i think a lot of people will agree two of the greatest characters in cinema are han solo and indiana jones both played by harrison ford and it just feels like he got the shaft uh when it came to the the end of both of those characters and no amount of nostalgia that they put into this movie could save that so there you have it those are my least favorite movies if not the worst movies in my mind of 2023 you may uh, big to differ, but, uh, you know, to each their own because we all have different tastes and we all have different opinions. Now, talking about the podcast, uh, 2023, I thought was a, a fun year for me to do this podcast because not only did we introduce a couple new uh, series in the the podcast and a couple new features, uh, so to speak, uh, we had uh, like a lot of, of good response. We switched our podcast provider our podcast platform uh, back a year ago in November and it was a big move Uh, at least when I made it it didn't seem so big but after I made it I realized what was gonna happen changing podcast platform from podcast.com to podbean uh, for various reasons that I won't get into but uh, our, our audience didn't move from from podcast.com to Podbean, and we lost a lot of listeners, unfortunately, and we've been working really hard to try and get uh, listeners back to, to listen to the podcast where they can find the podcast. And while we haven't had the numbers this past year that we have in years past on our other podcast platform, we did have a a pretty good year as far as uh, listens. And right now, we'll talk about our top five episodes of 2023. Uh, two honorable mentions, though, because there were there were a couple episodes that that got a lot of listens, uh, but. Uh, one of them was kind of odd. Uh, our episode back in February, February 23rd, somewhere around there. Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey was our seventh most listened to episode. Uh, sixth most listened to episode was from October's Fall of the House of Usher, one of my favorite series, horror series out in 2023. Uh, our number five most listened to episode. Came back in February with The Legend of Vox Machina Season 2. In April, we had The Pope's Exorcist was our fourth most listened to episode. Good Omens Season 2 from August was in at number three most listened to episode of 2023. Uh, Nocebo was our number two most listened to episode from back in March. And that was a really interesting, it kind of delved into uh, a lot of the lore in the Philippines and a lot of history in the Philippines with a, a tragic warehouse fire. And we had a lot of people that really latched on to that. A lot of people from the Philippines, a lot of people in the Philippines that that reached out to yours truly and and enjoyed the episode, enjoyed the movie, kind of helped me understand the lore that's in the movie a little bit better so it was really cool because we got a lot of listener interaction with that one and makes me happy to see a an episode that everyone was felt so passionate about up there in our top 2 most listened to episodes of the season and it didn't make my list of favorite movies but it certainly uh, was up there as one of the better movies of 2023 and of course you can check that out. i believe that's still out on shutter uh, check out nocebo and then of course our number one most listened to episode of 2023 really kind of surprised puppet man from back in october was the most listened to episode in 2023 and i would not have thought that not that it was a bad movie Uh, The movie was okay. I mean, it was pretty good. Uh, It had its faults. It had some things it could have done better. But it it had a decent cast and a decent story. But uh, I would not have expected that to be the most listened to episode of 2023 by far. But there you have it. That is our most listened to episode of the year. And like I said, this was a year that started out... Started out pretty interesting. Our our first two episodes of 2023 were The Witcher Blood Origin, which I did not care for at all. Uh, That actually probably could have been in my worst of 2023. Uh, But the film Megan uh, was our second episode of 2023, a, a film that... I didn't put that in my favorites of the year. I mean, it started out strong, but there were so many other good movies that came out in horror in 2023. Uh, I enjoyed Megan. I thought it was a good movie. I thought it could have leaned more into horror. That's probably why it didn't make my best of. And even the unrated version of Megan that came out on peacock or paramount plus i can't remember which one it still wasn't that gruesome i mean it's a pg-13 film the unrated version only made it like a soft r and this movie could have been like a hard r and been really and, and that's not to say you have to have a lot of blood and guts and swearing but it could have dialed up the horror a lot more if things were a little more brutal and, and a little more graphic. But we started off the year with uh, those two podcast episodes. Uh, we actually introduced a couple new features. Uh, the Be Kind Rewind feature where I take a look at an old movie that uh, generally speaking, probably something I rented on video cassette, VHS cassette, back in the 80s and 90s, early 90s, but not necessarily limited to that. I think that's kind of where I'm sticking with right now, but who knows, that might expand. But we talked about Witchboard, we talked about Warlock, we talked about Friday the 13th, on Friday the 13th. So that was a fun feature. We've got some more that I'm working on, kind of uh, as I'm watching old movies that I remember renting As a kid, I'm doing episodes and kind of putting them in a can so we kind of have a stockpile of those. So when I need a break, I can throw one of those in or we've got like a special holiday or or anniversary that's coming up. I'll have these episodes that we can kind of plug in and go back in time and talk about some of those cool old movies that uh, a lot of us remember renting as kids. Uh, We also introduced the Just One feature where I take a look at a particular subgenre or or what have you and if i could just pick one Uh, We did one on vampire films, non-Dracula vampire films, and we talked about my favorite non-Dracula vampire film. If I had to pick just one, what would it be? And of course, we only did one of those this year. Uh, I've got a lot more planned. There were things that we were going to do. I was going to start doing some movie commentaries. Uh, I just didn't have time for that between the podcast proper doing two episodes a week plus, uh, you know, supplemental episodes and bonus episodes and my day job. I just did not have the time to do any audio commentaries. That's something I'm looking forward to doing in 2024, maybe adding that to the mix, maybe doing a, a movie commentary, audio commentary, like a once a quarter basis or a couple times a year. Who knows? But uh, we, we haven't forgot about that and, and do plan on adding that to the repertoire, if you will, uh, not too distant future. But 2023 was an interesting year because not every movie I was able to watch or or get to. There were some movies that came out uh, while another movie was out and I had to pick which one I was going to talk about and never got around to watching the other movie. There were some movies that I just, it was not in my movie theater. So uh, here's a couple movies that... I didn't get to watch in 2023 that I really wanted to, and I'm looking forward to maybe doing an episode. I know last year I did an episode early in 2023 where I talked about some of the movies I didn't get to in the year prior. And I think we might try and do that at some point within the first couple months of 2024. Some of the movies that came out that I was just not able to get to, and uh, but I still really want to watch. Stuff like Totally Killer on Amazon Prime, uh, The Conference, which I can't remember where that's streaming, but uh, I heard that was a, a pretty good horror film. Bo is Afraid was a really weird movie that I never got to watch, but I've heard a lot about it. Sarah, the Bone Woman on Shudder. I never got to watch that, even though I really wanted to. and I've heard a lot of really good things. A lot of A lot of people putting that on their best of 2023 list. And of course, Infinity Pool, which you can watch on Hulu. Uh, Some of the movies that came out this past year that I did not get to watch that I want to watch. And and I'll comment on them, albeit probably briefly, but I'll comment on them in an episode uh, coming probably sometime in January or February once I get all of these movies watched. Now, there were some movies that I did watch that I just never got to do an episode on that I really enjoyed. Consecration, I thought was was really good. It had a really cool vibe of a ghost story, almost a demonic possession story, but not. And it left you with an interesting question. If Jesus came back, if the Messiah came back and wasn't what you were expecting it to be, How would you take it? How would you react? But it was really good. Uh, Wheel of Time Season 2. I watched that and I never did get to do an episode because it came out in... I think the last episode was in October. And we were in the midst of Halloween and all the horror stuff that was out. And I never got a chance to, to do an episode. But it was okay. For the most part, the bulk of the season was kind of boring. It took you away from the main character to focus on characters that aren't main characters in the book, at least not your your main character, the Dragon Reborn. This is a, a series that wants to focus on the female characters over the male characters, and, and I get that representation and all, but when the main character is a male character and you're putting him on the sideline to focus on characters that don't matter, uh, that'd be like doing Lord of the Rings and not spending any time with Frodo. It just doesn't make sense. Now, the last two episodes I thought were were quite good. I think they deviated from the stories in the books uh, a little bit, but I think they got to the same places as the books or the book that this this season was based off of. Uh, I think the last two episodes probably made the whole season worthwhile. Even though up until the last couple episodes, I was quite bored with the season and bored with a lot of the characters, unfortunately. And then probably one of the biggest movies of the year I never got to watch because something else came out. And and just the trailers made me not really care about this movie. It felt like it was geared more towards a, a younger audience And when I watched it, I realized that no, it's not. It was a straight up, it was a good horror movie. I don't think it was as good as everyone's making out to be. And the ending, I just found that to be... So-so, although it did have some scary and some creepy moments in it, it was an okay movie. Not great, but certainly not bad. And and it was, for the most part, fairly enjoyable. And that movie is Talk to Me. I thought it was an interesting idea, the lore behind this hand, this uh, statue of a hand, and then you hold on to it and say, talk to me, or what have you, and you can let the spirit in. I liked the lore of it. I thought that was creepy and scary. Some of the scenes, especially with the the little brother, uh was disturbing and jarring. But ultimately, yeah, like I said, the ending just felt kind of blah. Well, I didn't think it was one of the best movies of 2023 like a lot of people did. It certainly wasn't one of the worst, and it, like I said, it was it was a pretty good movie. Uh, That's probably the best I can say about it. It was pretty good. Now, the one movie I haven't talked about that I want to talk about, probably the most polarizing movie of 2023. It is not on my best of. It is not on my worst of, even though it probably could be on either one of them. That movie is the movie Skin of a Rink. Of course, this movie from uh, writer-director Kyle Edward Ball. And I was shocked to see that this movie was at my local movie theater, so I jumped at the chance, because it had so much buzz about it, and watching the trailer for it just seemed odd and bizarre and just kind of a haunting otherworldliness to it. So I went and watched it in the movie theater. There might have been two or three other guys. It was a nighttime showing only, so I couldn't go watch it in a matinee. But I went and watched it, and I remember leaving the film mesmerized by what I had just seen and not sure whether I liked it or I hated it. I, I can say after sitting on this for the better part of a year, I did not hate it. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the bizarreness of it. It felt like an art house film school project. It left you with so many questions that never really got answered. But Kyle Edward Ball did it in such an interesting way and a bizarre way that I, I'm okay. Now, I will tell you one thing. Uh, he did a proof of concept short film called Heck. And you can find it on YouTube if you watch that it will spell out a little more about what's going on in this movie. You'll understand a lot more as to what's actually happening in the movie and where these kids are and what has gone on. It'll make a little more sense if you watch the short film, Heck. It was, once I watched it, I thought, okay, that's kind of where I thought it was going, but this really confirms it. Now I know a lot of people find it boring. And a lot of people find it uninteresting. They don't like the visual style with things overexposed and there's too much darkness and overmodulation and voices. I, you know, to me that was an artistic style that Kyle Edward Ball decided to do. And it did in a lot of instances make things creepier. I can get it that it probably felt a little boring at times but it was so bizarre and unnerving that I kept waiting for an answer that I don't know as if I ever really got. And by the time it was all said and done, I had formed so many opinions about what was going on in my mind that I don't think I needed it spelled out for me. It would have been nice. And like I said, if you watch the short film Heck, it does spell it out a little clearer. But at the end of the day, I was like, okay, that was so fucking weird, but I'm okay with that. And it did have some really creepy moments playing against light and dark and those disembodied voices that that got very sinister and demonic at times. It, just, it was an interesting movie. I can't say, and I won't say that it was a great movie, but I won't say it was a bad movie either. I, I can't even say that it was an okay movie. It was just such a weird experiment in horror. Anybody that bitches and moans about horror being so formulaic and horror being so predictable and horror being this that and the other thing Uh, what kyle edward Ball did with this was flip the script crinkle it up and throw it out and toss some lighter fluid in the trash can and set it ablaze and did his own thing and I think that sort of pioneering needs to be appreciated for what it is. You don't have to like it, but at least appreciate that he tried to do something different. You may not have enjoyed it, but give him credit for, for doing something that nobody else had the balls to do and, and release it to a fucking movie theater. And, and have me and like a, two, a couple two other guys in my podunk town go watch it. I mean that's that's saying something. And and I really can't wait to see what else Kyle Edward Ball has in store for us after after Skin of a Rink. I hopefully he does something a little more rooted in a typical horror film or a typical film in general. Uh, hopefully it's not all experimentation and and things like Skinnamarink, but but I'll be interested all the same as to what he does in the future. And, of course, we can't do a look back on 2023 in horror fantasy and science fiction without talking about some of those that we lost in horror fantasy and science fiction. So, uh, at this point, we're going to do kind of our in-memoriam segment of our year in review, our curious year in review. It's not everybody who passed in 2023 in, in show business, but those that that passed that had a hand in horror, fantasy, and science fiction, and had their roots in in the genres that we love. And of course, first off, James McCaffrey, he voiced Max Payne in the video games. He was also in Jessica Jones, passed away at 65. More recently, Andre Brower, a uh, huge loss to the world of acting in general, but he's had his fingers in horror, fantasy, and science fiction. Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, The Mist, City of Angels. Uh, he passed away very recently, just a tragic loss in acting. Camden Toy, who played monsters in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV series, and and other film and TV, died at 68. Jack Axelrod and Hancock, Super 8, Transformers, Dark of the Moon, passed away at 93. Also so Frances Sternhagen she was in misery and the miss passed away at 93 Marty Croft, uh, the king of Saturday morning cartoons, H.R. Puffin stuff, Land of the Lost, died at 86 this past year. Peter Spelos, voice of the 2000 Transformers Robots in Disguise series. He also did voices in Cowboy Bebop, died at 69. Kevin Turin, uh, producer of Ty West X pearl and the upcoming Maxine films, died at 44 this past year. Richard Mole, of course, you know him probably most as Bull from Night Court, but he's been in Sword and the Sorcerer, episodes uh, of Monsters in 1989. He voiced uh, characters in Batman, Spider-Man. He was in Smallville. Babylon 5 died at 80. Richard Roundtree was in Heroes. Uh, of course, most known for Shaft, died at 81. Piper Lori, of course, a, a huge name in the world of uh, film, but uh, we all know her as Margaret White in Carrie, the movie from the 70s with Sissy Spacek. Not an accurate representation of margaret white from the books but hers is iconic of course she was in return to oz she voiced grandma in the twilight zone in the 1985-86 twilight zone revival Uh, They did segments on Stephen King's short story, Grandma. She voiced Grandma in that. She was also in Twin Peaks. She passed away at 91. Laura Parker, she played Angelique on Dark Shadows, died at 84. Phyllis Coates, the first actress to play Lois Lane on TV, died at 96. Mark Goodard, Major Don West in Lost in Space, died at 87. Jeff Barr, he was the director of Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. He did Stepfather 2, Pumpkinhead 2, several... Uh, in the Puppet Master franchise, died at 60. Keith Griffin, comic book writer and artist, died at 70. I'm going to butcher this name, but uh, Shauna Tropshik, costume designer for Firefly, Ahsoka, Book of Boba Fett, The Mandalorian, passed away at 56. Uh, Michael Gambon of Harry Potter, of course, he replaced John Hurt as Albus Dumbledore in the Harry Potter series, died at 82. Marcia Daraus from True Blood died at 70. Jamie Christopher, he was the assistant director for a lot of the Harry Potter and Marvel Films uh, died at 52. Arlene Sorkin, voice of Harley Quinn on the Batman animated series, passed away. Uh, in the wrestling world, Bray Wyatt, who, uh, a real name, Wyndham Rotunda, but he. He brought horror into wrestling uh, in in some of the modern era. Of course, he had the cult leader Bray Wyatt character. He had the creepy kid show host character. He had the Fiend character. Passed away uh, tragically at the age of 36. Uh, Wrestling and hardcore legend Terry Funk. He brought A little horror to wrestling with the Chainsaw Charlie character, but he was also an actor. Uh, He acted in Swamp Thing, the TV series Swamp Thing, Quantum Leap, The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. with Bruce Campbell. Uh, He passed away at 79. Ron Cephas Jones, who is in Luke Cage. uh, Mr. Robot died at 66. Darren Kent of Game of Thrones and Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves fame, uh, died at 36. William Friedkin Iconic director of The Exorcist. I mean, that's all you really have to say. Passed away at age 87... Uh, Mark Margulies, uh, American Horror Story Asylum, 83. Paul Rubens, of course we know him as Pee Wee Herman. He was in Mystery Men, Buffy the Vampire Slayer the movie, What We Do in the Shadows, died at the age of 70. Mark Gilpin, played Sean Brody, the little kid in Jaws 2, died at 56. Alan Arkin, he was the vo- he did voice in The Last Unicorn. He was in Edgar Scissorhands. Gattaca died at 89. Probably one of the more tragic stories of 2023 was Julian Sands who lost his life while hiking and california of course known for uh warlock rose red arachnophobia he was in smallville he was in dexter uh died tragically at the age of 65 Cormac mccarthy author of the road died at 89 one of the great apocalyptic not horror but apocalyptic uh stories uh, one of my favorite novels a very down <laughs> novel and uh and movie but Uh, John Romita Sr., uh, of course, comic book artist from Marvel. He took over from Steve Ditka, the Spider-Man series. He later became the art director at Marvel and had a hand in developing characters and creating characters like Wolverine and the Punisher. Died at 93. Sergio Calderon, a character actor, Pirates of the Caribbean, Men in Black, died at 77. Uh, Another tragic loss uh, to genre, Ray Stevenson. Uh, the Punisher Warzone. He was in Thor and Thor Ragnarok. G.I. Joe Retaliation. He played Gar Saxon in Star Wars Rebels and the Clone Wars. He was also most recently uh, posthumously in Ahsoka. Died at 58 Uh, Paul Grant, an actor and stuntman who appeared in Star Wars and Harry Potter. He was an Ewok in several Star Wars films. He was one of the goblins in Labyrinth, and he was also in Willow, died at 56. Lance Reddick, another huge loss to acting in general, but to genre. and was in Godzilla versus Kong. He was in Fringe, the TV series, Resident Evil, the TV series, a series that I did not like, but he was the best thing about it. Posthumously, he is in the current series, Percy Jackson, the Olympians, died at 60. Chaim Topol, of course, you know him as Tevya from Fiddler on the Roof, but he was also in Flash Gordon in 1980, died at 87. Bert I. Gordon, director, writer, producer, visual effects artist behind some of the great giant monster movie films, uh, throughout history died at 100 tom sizemore of course he was in the relic red planet twin peaks the revival series died at 61 uh probably gonna butcher this name but riku browning uh actor behind gill in the creature from the black lagoon uh died at 93 raquel welch of course you know her from so many movies uh, a sex symbol an icon but uh, most notably for genre fans uh, from Fantastic Voyage and 100 Million Years B.C., died at 82. Annie Wershing, uh, voice of Tess in The Last of Us, the video game. She also played Anna on the show, uh, died at 45. Lisa Loring, uh, she was a Wednesday Adams in the 1960s Adams Family Series, uh, passed away of a stroke at 64. Lance Kerwin, who played Mark Petrie, Uh, from Salem's Lot, the miniseries adaptation of Stephen King's novel back in 1979, passed away at 62. Uh, Melinda Dillon, of course, many know her as the mom from A Christmas Story, but she was in the 1990 Captain America. Uh, She was in Harry and the Hendersons. She was in a couple segments of the 1985 Twilight Zone revival. Uh, She passed away at the age of 83. Earl Bowen played Dr. Peter Silberman. In the Terminator series, died at 81. And of course, Tina Turner, a rock and roll legend, a rock and roll icon. But for anyone in genre, we know her as anti entity. From Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome passed away this year at the age of 83. So there's a look of all the actors in horror fantasy and science fiction, at least all the ones I could find. I, I'm sure I've probably missed some along the way. And of course, uh, we, we certainly mean no disrespect to them. But uh, for, for all of those in horror fantasy and science fiction, we lost in 2023. You know, we We do remember them and their legacies will live on in the art that they put on the screen, the big screen, the small screen, in music and in in word, the written word. Uh, Their legacies will live on and we will remember them and cherish them every time we watch their movies or listen to their songs or read their words or watch their shows. And even though they're no longer with us, they'll always be in our hearts and our thoughts and our minds. So that's a look at 2023 at Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, our podcast. But uh, what are we looking forward to in 2024? Well, there are uh, there's a lot out there on tap that uh, I know I'm looking forward to. So coming up in 2024, what are some of the things we're looking forward to on the podcast? Well, of course, Dune Part two is coming out in March. Really looking forward to that. Ghostbusters Frozen Empire, the Ghostbusters Afterlife sequel that I think a lot of us are looking forward to. uh, That's coming out as March as well. Godzilla X-Kong, New Empire. I I don't know how much I'm looking forward to this because of what they did in Godzilla minus one. It feels like the superior Godzilla was made this year and anything else is just going to be eh. But, uh, but we'll find out how good it is if everyone's still going to freak out about the pink spikes up Godzilla's back, if it's going to be Barbie Godzilla or not. We'll find that out in April. If the fantasy comedy is coming out in May, looking forward to that. Furiosa, a Mad Max saga is coming out in May. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road, I I didn't care about that one. I just, I didn't really like Tom Hardy as Mad Max. The Charlize Theron character was okay, I just found that movie quite bland and and even a little bit boring, even though it is from the, the original writer of the Mad Max series. I just did not care for it, so I don't know how much I'm going to care about this character from a Mad Max movie I didn't like. That isn't Mad Max. But we'll find out if it's going to be any good coming up in May. Also in May, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. The next in the Planet of the Apes series uh coming out in May. A Quiet Place Day 1 is coming out in June. I'm kind of excited about that because I've been a, a big fan of A Quiet Place. The, the two movies and looking to see what else they're going to do with this. I know they're planning on expanding it and making it almost into its own universe. So looking forward to see what they do with Quiet Place Day one on June. Deadpool 3 is coming out in July. Borderlands in August. Fidel Alvarez's Alien movie is coming out in August as well, uh, along with Craven the Hunter. It looks like it could be pretty good, but it's Sony, so it could be pretty shitty. Even if it was Marvel, it could be pretty shitty. But that's coming out in August. Beetlejuice 2 in September is interesting. I'll be interested to see. I'm not, I, I know I'm kind of on the fringe, but I never really cared that much for the first Beetlejuice movie. Uh, it leaned more into comedy than horror than I like. But uh, but I will be interested to see what they do with the sequel to that. Uh, Transformers 1 does look interesting. That's coming out in September as well. The Joker sequel comes out in October along with Terrifier 3. Venom 3 is coming out in November. Lord of the Rings, The War of the Hurom, which seems interesting. Uh, I'll be interesting if it's more Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings or if it's more Peter Jackson's The Hobbit or more, Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. Only one of those is what I'm hoping it's going to be. I'll let you guess which one I'm hoping it's going to be more like. But we'll find out in December. As well as uh, Nosferatu, the retelling of the Max Shrek vampire story from back in the silent era. That's coming out in December. We also have Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse. Uh, that was another one I didn't watch this year that I wanted to watch. Uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Into the Spider-Verse, I really enjoyed and, uh, you know, animated stuff kind of gets a backseat to the live action stuff. So that's why I just kind of put off watching Across the Spider-Verse. But I want to watch that. And I'm interested to see where they go with Beyond the Spider-Verse. Uh, also, Shelby Oaks is a an independent film by a podcaster that I've been listening to uh chris stockman i i really enjoy his movie reviews uh, i find i agree a lot with him on certain movies on other movies i don't agree so much but he he loves genre and and loves films, and he is doing this horror movie, Shelby Oaks, and I've been paying attention to all that he's had going on, crowdfunding this thing, and putting this out there, and dealing with the the writers, and the actors' strike, and and all of that, so I'm really excited to see, hopefully that's going to be coming out in 2024, I believe it is, but really excited to see what he does with this movie and uh, really excited to, to see the movie in and of itself. So there you have it. Those are the things I'm looking forward to in 2024. I'm also looking forward to all the unexpected things that pop up that aren't really on anyone's radar. Uh, I'm really excited to see what comes of 2024 when it comes to horror fantasy and science fiction, whether it be movies, television, books, short stories, music. I'm excited to get a chance to talk about these things that I don't get as much opportunity to talk about uh, books and music. Uh, I know last year I made it a point to read a book a month and I got through February and then kind of tailed off. I ended up reading three books this year. I finished reading uh, Stephen King's The Outsider I read Cabin at the End of the World. I read the novella Who Goes There that the the thing is based off of, and I'm in the midst of reading Tanana Reevdou's. Summer ghost stories or ghost Story summer. I can't remember the title of it. It's got a lot of good short stories in it. It's a book of short stories. Uh, so I'm in the midst of reading that. I want to finish that uh, while I'm on vacation here at the end of the year, taking my last uh, PTO days, and I want to start fresh in 2024 and get back to reading a book a month, and then maybe we'll do like a random curiosity. About the books I read, many of them aren't going to be new, uh, but new to me. So, uh, depending on how it all pans out, whether it's new books or, or old books that I'm just reading for the first time, uh, I'll do some sort of episodes and and give you my thoughts on the books themselves. So, really looking forward to that as well in 2024. But the thing I look forward to most every year with this podcast is given the chance uh, to to sit down and talk about the movies and. TV series and the the books and the short stories and the music that tie into the genres that I love horror fantasy and science fiction and it's not the only thing that I watch but those are always my favorite stories and to get a chance to sit down and talk to you about all the things that I love and and hopefully you love them as much as I do and you may have a differing opinion on whether something is good or not so good, but uh, yeah, I like having a, a forum where I can give you my opinion, and hopefully you, you know, you can give your opinion back to me. You can always post wherever we post the episodes on Instagram or on on Facebook, or you can even email me and tell me what you think. I, I always love hearing back from the listeners what they think about episodes, what they think about my thoughts. Uh, I love to hear your thoughts. You know, that's that's how we kind of form our opinions. You know, we have our initial opinions, but sometimes somebody will bring up a point that we never thought about or a perspective that we haven't thought about. And and that helps shape my opinion even more. Sometimes I really love or really hate a movie, but after I've had time to sit with it for a while or maybe rewatch, sometimes my views on a movie or TV series or what have you either harden or soften because, you know, I've, I'm looking at it from a different perspective. And, and I think that's important uh, to... Not just be so firm in what you believe, to to take what other people's uh, experiences are into account to to help form our opinion. I, I think that's important, and hopefully you enjoy listening to my opinion, and hopefully I get a chance to hear what you think about some of the things i watch watched over the next year. So I want to thank everyone for listening to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop in 2023. Hopefully you stick with us in 2024. Hopefully you help get the word out. Share this podcast with anyone that you know that loves horror, fantasy, and science fiction. If you're on like a page that says, hey, what are some good podcasts out there? Please feel free to mention Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop and help spread the word and help us get those numbers back up to where where they were before we switched our podcast platform. It's been a long road since then and a, a hard road to try and get our audience back to where it used to be, but a road that I love going down and hopefully you love Going down that road with me, uh, talking about horror fantasy and science fiction. So, please share the podcast with anyone that you know that loves horror fantasy and science fiction. Follow us on our social media pages Instagram and Facebook. We're always posting about the genres that we love, horror fantasy and science fiction, as well as the latest episodes and what to expect coming up on the podcast. And please follow us, like us, subscribe to us wherever you listen to this podcast at and leave those reviews. Five stars would be awesome. But whatever review you leave, we do appreciate that more than you'll ever know. So I want to wish everyone a very safe, And happy new year. We're putting this episode out just a a couple days before new year. So, hopefully, you have a a, a wonderful new year. And I said I wasn't going to do a new episode on the uh, first Monday of 2024. That would be the first. Uh, But uh, I lied. Well, no, I didn't lie. I wasn't going to, but I realized, you know what? I'm going to start off 2024, right? And we are going to have an episode where we're going to talk about the new Zack Snyder Star Wars, but not a Star Wars movie, Rebel Moon. The first in what is going to be a two-part story uh, on Netflix. We're going to be talking about that on Monday the 1st. So be listening for that. So until next time, Happy New Year.